Hi, and welcome to She Is Wise, a podcast dedicated to braver, bolder, bigger conversations for women who want to change the world. I'm Ellie Bell, an empowerment coach passionate about supporting women to show up in the world as their best version of themselves. I'm a former corporate executive with a background working in professional sport and a qualified life coach working with women for the past four years. I've got two gorgeous little girls, which are the reason I'm so determined to change the way women are in the world. I have an incredible husband who encourages, supports and shapes my work in ways that prove that men have to be part of the solution. And I'm Erin Hodson, a psychic medium and spiritual healer who believes that for the world to be a place I'm grateful and proud to leave for my two young sons, change is necessary and that change must be led by women. My work is deeply rooted in ancestors and understanding who we come from and who we can become. I love exploring the spirituality of who we are and the intersection of that with our human experiences. We're two women who grew up on opposite sides of the world, but when we met, instantly recognized each other as kindred spirits, ready to make meaningful change in ourselves, each other, and the world around us. Now is the time for women to be brave, vulnerable, and bold, to explore what is really true for us and how we can make meaningful change in the world. Join us as we dive passionately into conversation about things that really matter, share lighthearted banter with each other, and dare to challenge what we've been told we can do, have, and be as women. Welcome to another episode of She Is Wise. Today we are going to dive into something that we've been doing heaps of work around um, sort of behind the scenes and want to share a little bit um, and the conversation around how that's come about. But I'm not going to tell you what that is yet because first of all I'm going to ask my fabulous business partner and great friend Erin, how the devil are you? Oh well devil is probably a right word for me. <laughs> Let's be fair. Um, <laughs> I am well thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and um you know, ready to dive into this conversation. But, you know, I'm also really grateful that our listeners are here and I hope everybody is doing well. And there has been a lot going on in the world of late, a lot of, um, just a lot of angst, right? Like, I feel like this, every time I talk to someone who I really care about, something is on their heart that feels heavy. And, you know, it's just a, a nice opportunity to spend some time with you here in the space of light and love and see what comes. You're so right at the moment. Like we've had the global pandemic for what, two years now. And it almost felt for a while that we were possibly coming out the other side. And even though the pandemic is potentially sort of evolving and changing and looking different, there still feels like there's a whole heap of shit going on around the world. And that's just still making it really hard and heavy for a lot of people. So if you're feeling like that, know that you're not on your own. And yeah, it is. There's been a lot going on this year that has been kind of challenging, really, both business, personal, you know, worldwide, you know, I think on every level, I could think of something that's been a little bit harder than perhaps it has been in the past. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on, um, which has made it even more important to celebrate the moments of joy and happiness. And the time we're recording is just after Mother's Day. um, And being both mothers, how did you celebrate? Did you get treated to breakfast in bed or, or anything lovely like that? No. <laughs> Spoken like someone who has um, a partner who doesn't want to sleep in on Mother's Day. Um, in our household, two mums, uh, we don't really um, 
yeah, it's it's hard to celebrate Mother's Day in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it's a bittersweet space for us anyway, because one of our mothers is no longer here and uh, the other one lives quite far away. And um, so, you know, we had a very quiet day. We made some progress in areas that we, you know, feel meaningful for us at the moment um, in terms of sorting our house out and decluttering and that kind of stuff. And um yeah, you know, it was definitely our children left us alone for the majority of the day. So that was probably the best part of it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're right. Like there is a lot of stuff going on and, you know, on every level, there's definitely, you know, I think the irony of trying to celebrate a Mother's Day when there's all of the conversation happening about bodily autonomy and abortion and that sort of thing over in the US is not lost on me. It's certainly something that I think must have been incredibly challenging for some women who live in that space. And then, you know, on top of that, you've got, you've still got the the war raging in the Ukraine uh, where mothers are being separated from their children and they're, um, you know, being killed or, or losing their husbands. And everywhere you look, there is something that feels huge happening. Um, and in some respects, it's almost like a little bit uncomfortable to feel grateful for the fact that actually we have nothing huge happening in our personal lives. But um, yeah, it's it's it was an, you know a nice day and we got some stuff done and that was great. Um, how about you? Yeah, I was very lucky and had a, a lovely day. I had some lovely presents from the girls who were so excited um, to having wrapped everything up to then unwrap it all for me. Um, so they were just, yeah, they were super cute. And Matt got a lot of good bloke points for basically letting me just chill out. And I read my book and just had a lovely day. And we went down and had brunch at the local cafe with some friends. And it was just a really, yeah, it was just a really nice day. And it was an opportunity for me just to kind of reflect on how things have changed in life and just that I am incredibly lucky and and that irony again wasn't lost on me but I think we listened to that fantastic podcast with Brené Brown recently and Karen Waldron and she talked about um the joy and happiness and, and all of those sorts of things and how to feel joy even when the world around you feels like it's falling apart and it's something that we have to be okay with with feeling because that's the whole point of everything we're doing. You know, if we if we yeah. can't start to connect with that joy, everything else feels really, really hard. So I think being able to to identify that it is difficult at the moment, but it's still okay. It's those those things, you know, if you lose somebody and you sort of feel guilty for, you know, smiling again or laughing again, actually, we have to make the most in life. We have to be able to celebrate the moments that we can celebrate and not feel guilty about that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, honouring the fact that that can feel deeply uncomfortable and, and quite challenging. And I guess that kind of brings us a little bit into what we're talking about today, which is the the concept of the midlife crisis that women um, feel. And, and first of all, I, before we dive into what else we're going to talk about for me the word midlife crisis like massively triggered me when we first started talking about it because it's like well I haven't had a midlife crisis you know only people who you know uh, go through real problems have midlife crisis and then I sort of looked at it and I was like well actually that's not true there has definitely been in the last few years a lot of moments where I have absolutely struggled to be able to define who I was how I was showing up in the world, how I was showing up for the people I loved, what I was here to do, all of those things that left me feeling lost, um, unable to kind of move forward, just 
the stuff that basically, I mean, I didn't go and buy a sports car or dye my hair, but, you know, that's kind of what the guys do in the midlife crisis. But it's normal for men to be like, oh, I've had a midlife crisis. But actually women are so, so conditioned to just keep going and not, you know, even allow yourself the space to think that you're having some sort of challenge that it was quite interesting to start sort of exploring those words. That, what does midlife crisis mean to you? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I think, um, it, you know, there's always that sort of stereotypical middle-aged male having a midlife crisis and he goes and buys a red sports car and dates his secretary for a while. And I think for women, it's a little bit more complex um, because I think we're only just realizing now and there's a, a rising consciousness around this, I think, that acknowledging that we are feeling discomfort or acknowledging that we are not you know, 100% happy, even if we have access to joy, is actually perfectly okay. I think for many, many, many years, centuries, uh, women have not been allowed to acknowledge that rising sense of unease in the world. And, you know, and I think that's part of it for me is that the midlife crisis, if we want to use that particular term, to me is a little bit more I like like you, I don't think I've had a midlife crisis necessarily. But my wife, <laughs> on the other hand, um, used those exact words when she tried to describe her growing unease with herself. And, um, you know, it was something where she was like, I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis. Like everything that I believed, everything that I used to be okay with or happy with is different. And I... I don't know where to go from here. And I mean, I guess that's the the definition of a crisis really, isn't it? Is that you, you do feel like you're just overwhelmed by the desire to move from where you are, but not knowing where to even look. Um, and for me, I guess the way that I supported her through that was that I invited her to see it as more of an awakening than a crisis. Um, it, it wasn't a midlife crisis so much as it was a call to um, awaken something within herself that she had previously shut down. And I think that's probably how I um, would describe my own midlife crisis, if that's what I've had, um, is that actually there was no specific crisis. It wasn't like a, a natural disaster where everything just crumbled in a moment. It was much more an awareness that where I was and what I was doing was almost mediocre, right? Like I was doing the things that were expected of me, but I wasn't doing any of them with any particular vigor or, or love or gratitude because it, I wasn't lit up. Um, and so I think that's probably for me, the midlife crisis thing is that actually for a lot of women, um, they'll describe it as a midlife crisis, but I think a, a lot of other women um, for, for them are describing it as a, like an awakening. And, you know, either way, I think it's fine. It's what we do with that, that yeah. counts. And I think there's also a number of women who wouldn't necessarily subscribe to either of those midlife crisis or awakening. They just know that they're, they're okay, but they're just okay. That whole, you know, being able to describe how you're feeling and, just knowing that everything is just a bit beige it's there's nothing particularly outstanding there's nothing like desperately wrong and I think that was where I struggled with it because there was nothing that was desperately wrong with my life in fact there was nothing wrong with it you know I've got a loving husband two great children I've got a house you know all of the things that 
you know, I've been told that that's that's what what I should want in life. Um, and yet there was still something, there was a piece of me that didn't feel fulfilled. There was a piece of me that felt like it was just going through the motions and not really achieving anything. And coming to terms with that being, you know, an issue was huge for me because I was kind of like, well, I've just, you know, I've got to get on with it. Like, what have I got to complain about? We've kind of got into this place in the world where it's like, what have we got to complain about? You've got a, you've got a good job. You've got a great life. You've got all of these things. It's like, you're meant to be grateful for everything you've got. And, and I remember that, you know, even as a child, that very much being the, the phrase that was around the world, you know, you be grateful for everything that you've got. And it's not that I was ever ungrateful for it. I was just wishing that there was more that was mine I suppose but then at the same time I'd think it and then be like oh my goodness that's so selfish I can't possibly think about more things for me because I've got everything already and it's kind of this sort of you know the devil and the angel sitting on your shoulder going but it's okay to want more and the devil going well no it's not you've got everything you need how could you possibly want more stop being greedy stop wanting you know stop being so selfish it's like oh okay well but I feel like I should you know this constant like swirling of of thoughts of ups and downs and just being able to try and make sense of it just was really really challenging really challenging yeah and um yeah, I, I implore anyone who's feeling like that and to tell them that you're not on your own. If you have those moments where you're like, I genuinely don't know what I'm thinking at the moment because I I know that I want more. I know that I want a better relationship with my husband or partner. I want to, to be a better mum. I want to be a better friend, better work colleague. All of these things you want to be better at, but it's like, I don't know how to change anything and I don't know what that looks like and I don't know how I can be better, but I know that I want my life to be better even though it's okay yeah yeah I think um like I like what you were were saying there about the gratitude and like I think you know we almost we've almost been societally gaslighting um around gratitude right like even now I think a lot of the um and I say main, mainstream spiritualists uh, because I think that they're the people that most people are aware of. But there's almost like an unspoken uh, extra part that they're not bringing to the table um, around gratitude. Like there's a lot of like just do the gratitude practice, just practice being grateful. Well, yes, but actually it's perfectly okay to be grateful for what you have and still want more. Right. And that I think is the the unspoken stuff that we that we're gaslighting people around. Like, yeah, you should be grateful for what you have. You should always be grateful for what you have. It could be taken in an instant, all of it. Right. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you shouldn't want more or that you can't want more or that it's wrong to want more. Mm-hmm. And we've just been so conditioned to be that person who is just not asking for more and we, you know, we shut it down and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's why we have these moments of crises. But do you think that comes down to the fact that in some ways we've been told that we've got everything, you know, that's been the, the phrase that, you know, we can have everything now. You've got everything. You, you've got the, the job, you've got the house, you can do all of the things that, you know, our mothers weren't allowed to do and our grandmothers weren't allowed to do, or, you know, it wasn't the norm. Yeah. And it's kind of like, we've, we've, we've got to this stage and it's like, well, we've got everything that, you know, there were people who really wanted what we've got and yet we've got here and it's still not enough. Um, you know, what does that make me? It's that whole, 
like yeah. what does that make me think? Do you know what I mean? It's- yeah, I do. I think there's layers of that though, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes, we have everything. Um, we have everything that we have ever wanted in the past, but what if we want more now, mm. right? But also on top of that, yes, we have everything. And every time we get something else, we're grateful for it. But but we aren't allowed to put any of it down, <laughs> right? Like every time we get something new, we're just expected to carry the extra load. Mm. And what if wanting more is just being able to put some of that stuff down? Yeah. Right? Like, I think that's part of it for me is we have, yes, as women, we've been told we, you know, we should be grateful that we can work full time. We should be grateful that we can have a family. We should be grateful that we have, you know, time for friends and all of the, all of the things. But actually, sometimes I'd like to be grateful for the fact that I don't have to have all of those things. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Mm. Right? And and so I think that is part of it as well. Like that that midlife crisis, in a lot of ways, I think for a lot of women, is about recognizing that they have everything that they have ever wanted, or they have everything that they've always been told they couldn't have, but now they've got so much that they actually just want to put some of it down. Yeah, they just want to sit and not have to feel like they're carrying the weight of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's an important part of the equation as well. Like that, that's one of the layers, you know, and that's been fed by generations of women saying to their daughters, hey, you're so, you've got so much more than I could have had. Mm. Be grateful for it. Yeah, you've got so many opportunities. So yeah. many opportunities. So yeah. Oh, I wish I'd had access to that. Yeah. Which, you know, and none of us are begrudging it. And it's almost like that, like I was saying, it's these two voices. It's the... I'm not begrudging it, but at the same time, like it's still not always easy. It's, it's still not always fantastic. And there's still things that women are massively fighting about. And, you know, there's a whole nother podcast about, about that sort of stuff. But, you know, we still, we have it all, but we still don't really, because like you say, we have it all and we're still juggling. <laughs> like We're yeah. still holding everything up in the air, hoping desperately that something's not going to drop. Because if we drop it, what, what happens then? And I think that's the the big thing. And when you're in that space of of crisis, or when you're in that space of wanting to to change how things are, it's kind of being allowed to to put everything down in front of you, rather than just sort of carrying it all above you. It's a bit like um, almost doing your finances. Sometimes you you know that there's lots going on, and you probably actually just need to look at it. But the thought of looking at it is all a bit scary, so you just keep ignoring it and keep ignoring it. I think that's a lot to do with this sort of like when we know that things when we're just okay when we're just in that oh no I'm okay space actually you're not okay but the worry about taking everything that is flying around in your head that's got no place to sit and putting it down in front of you feels truly terrifying because it's like well what if like what's going to come up what have I got in there what if I you know take the first 25 things that I'm thinking about and put those down what's going to fill that space and that can be really uncomfortable and and I think that's where you know the second part of the conversation where we're talking about you know the midlife crisis into course correction is actually there's so much opportunity in doing that but it takes a big big load of like brave to do it (laughs) because actually it probably does mean things are going to change and we get very caught up in change being bad and change being everything has to be really different and change being a big thing and one of the things we talk about is actually it doesn't have to be 
huge in one go. It's just tiny little baby steps to make those changes. I think when we try and when we think about that space of I just want things to be different, like you go to the extremes, you go to like how extremely different it could be. Whereas if we're able to look at everything and just identify the first little bits to change, we can actually start to make those little baby steps forward so that it's easier to think about what we actually really want it to look like. Because when we're carrying everything, there is no space. There is no space to think about how it can be different. And it's really interesting that you say that, because I think for me, like, you know, I often get asked, what do you want to do? Or what, you know, what do you want? And I never have an answer for that right? Like I never know what I want. And I always kind of just thought, okay, well, obviously I'm just not, you know, I just don't want things. Um, I mean, clearly that's not true, but I always just kind of was like, oh, I don't really want anything, you know, or if I can't identify it, it can't be that important. Mm. Right. Which is another trap to fall into. But I think that the problem is that there's so much that I'm already carrying that the thought of wanting more and actually being able to identify what that is, is terrifying in itself. Because if I want more, it's not even about what I'm carrying now. It's about what I have the potential to take on. And that feels scary. Well, that feels heavy, doesn't it? It's yeah. just like, I'm already holding this massive load. Don't throw any more things on it. So I'll just, I just won't want it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, and so I think that the whole concept of going from that moment of crisis that moment where you recognize that maybe everything that you have now isn't everything that you want to have tomorrow, that's an opportunity for course correction. And we've talked about course correction before. We've talked about like the mental load and all of those things in previous episodes. So, you know, if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and check them out. But I think the the concept of course correction is a lot more about being willing to explore what you already have from a space of I'm going to put it down and unpack it now right I'm not just going to throw something else in the boot of the car and keep driving I'm actually going to stop I'm going to unpack and then I'm going to decide what needs to come forward and make space for what I want more of and that course correction um, can be really uncomfortable for people right? It's certainly been uncomfortable for me at times to think about like, you know, because you start even without any evidence or any real reason for it, you do start to question some of the bigger stuff as well. And it's not stuff, it's not questioning from a space of there's something wrong here, but it's questioning from a space of curiosity around what can I identify here that's right? And, you know, I've certainly had moments where I've questioned like, why did I get married and have kids? Like, is that really what I wanted with my life? You know, and that was an uncomfortable question because I was like, what if the answer is no? <laughs> like, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> fucked that up, right? <laughs> like, but I mean, the answer was always going to be, it was a big fat yes. Yes, I did want that with my life. And yes, I'm really grateful for it. And I'm really happy about it. But being able to unpack that, I was able to say, okay, well, that was never about what I was told I should expect because I haven't gone about it the way that people would have expected me to do, right? And likewise with you, probably, like you were always probably told, you know, when you grow up, you'll you'll get married and you have kids and blah, blah, blah. But it came much later for you because you went your own way about it Mm. and you were perfectly willing to not have it at all 
if that meant that you were doing the things that you wanted to do. And I think it was the same for me that, you know, I obviously married a woman, which makes it biologically challenging to have children. Um, and, you know, not, no. not, any, not by any stretch of the imagination is it impossible, but it's certainly challenging. And it was something where I know, like, my parents were really challenged by that. They were like, well, don't you want to be a parent? Like, don't you want to have kids? I'm like, oh, yeah, we will. Right? Like, it was a thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, we will. Don't worry. But it was really important to unpack that again and make sure that that was actually what I wanted from life. Because if I don't want to be part of my family, I'm never going to show up the way they need me to. Right? And it's much better, in my view, to unpack that and confirm it for yourself than to just assume that you already know the answer. When it comes to that whole, any sort of unpacking what's going on for you comes with a level of fear because, well, A, that's what we've been told, but also you don't know the answers until you've explored them. You don't know what's going to come up. But I think being able to, to look at everything and evaluate it from a place of, I want my life to be as positive and I want to be able to impact the people in my life in the best possible way you kind of have to do that work you have to be willing to sit in that uncomfortable space and and question things and there will be things that that may well need changing but there may well be things that don't need changing you know but until you actually are able to it's like I said it's like the accounts when you you think about it and you build it up into this like massive thing and it's like oh god I've got to do it and I've got to look at them and it's going to be really scary and what if there's nothing in there and then I don't know how to and then you actually look at them and you go oh oh that wasn't so bad there's actually plenty of money in there to do all the things and actually life's okay or even if it's like oh well, perhaps oh I definitely need to do a bit here and there but then you can have a plan so it's kind of that that knowledge is power if you don't know about it if you don't know what you're dealing with then it does feel big and scary. It feels horrendous. It will always feel scarier when you don't know what it is that you're actually dealing with. As soon as you're able to like, have that awareness and have that understanding, like awareness of what it is and understanding of where it's come from and, and what you want it to look like, as soon as you've got that, you're able to start to make plans and you're able to start to deal with it properly. And I think one of the biggest things that as women, we need to get better at doing is treating ourselves with the same level of compassion and forgiveness that we would others. I think we hold ourselves to incredibly high standards. We hold ourselves, we have these completely unrealistic expectations. Sorry to call that out, but they are completely unrealistic expectations about how we're meant to show up and do all of the things in the whole world and hold it together and never and not worry about not having any sleep and still look our best and you know feed our children nutritious green food, which you know, if anyone has a five-year-old, tell me how you get green food into them because it's an ongoing challenge. But you know, we have these expectations that we should be able to do it all. And, and hold it all together and and then when we don't we berate ourselves and treat ourselves like we're awful people so definitely learning that that forgiveness piece and that compassion piece is vital to being able to to let go of the stuff that is stopping us from from showing up for the people we love because as much as this is about us and you know for me to be the best person possible the impact of that is on many many other people and they are really important to me and as much as I would love to say oh, I'm just doing it for me it's all about me I can't put my hand on my heart and say that it is just for me because that wouldn't be truth like my children are everything but they get they will get a better version of me if I do put myself first they will be able to show up in the world the world will be a better place for them if I'm able to stand up and say you know what I believe that actually women are allowed to 
do what feels right for them. They don't have to do it all. They can absolutely do what they want to do and they can own it and they can be in that space and they can be brave and they can be comfortable and they can be bold. My children are going to benefit from that because then we start to impact the wider the wider um, area and the wider world. And that's really important to me, yeah. but it's taken me a really long time. A lot of unpacking, a lot of repacking and then unpacking and then repacking and unpacking again in order to get to the space where I can actually just about get my head around what it is that I want from this world. <laughs> yeah, know, it may well change tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the, that's the part of, when we think about like a course correction and, and what to do when we're in that space of, awakening or crisis or whatever we want to you know however we want to describe it um knowing that really what we are what we are at is a crossroads um of of sorts like we're you know um standing at the the start of the forest and there's five different paths in and which one do we take and you know we can carry on straight ahead uh, and that's the path that we've been on and that will be perfectly acceptable for some people, but it's an opportunity to really have a look at it and say, actually, which path do I want to explore? I think the other the other part of this that I think a lot of women find challenging, and certainly I found challenging along the way, was we don't have to commit and then stay committed forever to one thing, right? If we try something and we don't enjoy it or it doesn't work for us or it takes us further from where we want to be it is absolutely okay to turn around and go back and I think we really need to give ourselves that permission because all too often and this is why we call it a course correction it's not about saying that was we're on this path therefore we have to move forward it's not about moving forward it's about deciding which direction to go in and then going on that direction with the knowledge that sometimes that won't be the right path, but there'll be something that you learn about yourself. You know, if it's not a yes, it's a no, and that's still good knowledge to have. Yeah. I always remember a, a very, very wise person that I knew many years ago, always saying you're exactly where you need to be in life. So if you are in that space where everything does feel a bit hard at the moment, and you're just about holding your head above water, as hard as it is to hear, you're in the right space because this is your opportunity to take that information and, and do something about it. We learn so much about ourselves in the tough times and it's, kind of annoying in many ways it's like can I not get the lesson from you know drinking mojitos on a beach um but you know it it would be great (laughs) wouldn't it yeah but you know I know that I've certainly gone through some of the most challenging months um certainly of my recent past in the last you know the last two or three months have been really really difficult and they've been painful they've been um upsetting they have made me question yeah messy they've made me question everything it's been really it's been a really tough place and there's been a a lack of um a lack of understanding around why it's been so hard for me um from myself included it's a bit like there's a part of me that's like oh god just get on with it and stop being such a baby about it yeah can you please it's yeah (laughs) maybe soon but actually what it's done is it's made me unpack everything again and look at it and say actually is this the way I want to be is this what's important to me and what I've realized that is incredibly important to me and I've been 
pushing down for as long as I can remember is actually I've always wanted to be liked by everybody. That's been more important than probably standing up for what I really believe. And I've realized that's actually completely out of alignment with who I am and my core self. Like what I believe is important is really important. And I have to do something about that. And it's kind of when you start on this journey of questioning, it is really uncomfortable because you keep questioning and things keep changing. But rather than getting further away from who you are, you feel every part of you kind of coming back in. It's that, you know, the work that you do about pulling, bringing your power back in, returning your power. As you do this, you get to do that. You get to have this opportunity to bring back all of the things you've leaked all over the place and the energy that you've given to other people and the power that you've given to other people. You start to pull it back in and you feel yourself becoming more true to you than ever before and every time you do a little bit more work you bring a bit more back in and it brings me to that the final point about how the work that we do just full stop is about being that wise woman without being really fucking old quite simply (laughs) (laughs) you know it is we want to we want our wisdom now we want to I don't want to wait till I'm 70 to say what I really think and and stand up for what I really believe and not worry about what other people think I want to do that now because there's so much wisdom in being able to do that and we can change we can change how other people show up we can make the world a better place we can ask people to question themselves we can ask people to show up differently for the people they love but only if we're willing to do the work ourselves and I think that's that's what I stand on is actually it's it's time to do the work and if you're going through that midlife crisis or that awakening where you just feel like there's something else out there, listen to the nudges, take notice of what is coming up for you because it is an opportunity for you to redefine where you're going. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go in the opposite direction. You can just, you know, it just has to be a little nudge, but honestly, the benefit that you will have from doing that and the people around you is just enormous, absolutely enormous. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the feather brick truck analogy and for some people, a midlife crisis will feel like a truck. Um, and you know, that's kind of when you've been driving the car and you've missed several signposts that say, Hey, there's danger ahead. And then you crash. Um, and then you have to make a choice about what you take out of the crashed car and put into a new car. Um, and you know, for some people that can feel a little bit scary, but beyond that there's the signposts before that that say danger ahead you know and um and we get to choose at that point whether we you know if we're driving the car and we've got you know the partner and the children and the dog and the house and all of the things in the car with us um we don't have to remove all of that stuff and then not put it back like we can put it all back um, it's just an opportunity to really say, like, if you don't do that real radical self-examination, if you don't look at all of the parts of of what you have in your life and, and where you're going, um, then you can't be educated about the risk of not looking at other things. Um, you can't, you know, like you, you said um, about that knowledge is power, and that's really what it is. It's about saying, actually, like, I need to know what all of the moving parts are here so that I can make an educated decision about whether all of those parts are going to work together moving forward or moving in whatever direction I need to move in. Um, And if not, what do I need to do with that? 
And that's ultimately what the course correction is all about. It's about being able to say to yourself, actually, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pause for a minute. I'm going to step back. I'm going to observe for a minute. I'm going to really look at what I have and what I need to have or what I desire to have. And if there is a difference, how do I fix that? How do I, how do I work towards having what I want or what I desire and what I need? And what do I need to let go of to make space for that? Um, and yeah, that's the gap. What's yeah. the gap that I need to work with? Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. And that's, you know, ultimately that's the challenge for us. Um, and and that's the beautiful thing that we, you and I get to do is we we get to go on that journey with with other women. And um, you know, it hasn't been an easy journey for you and it hasn't been an easy journey for me, but we've been through it several times now, I would say. Um, and you know, the, the beauty of being able to stand with someone and say, actually, I'm just going to hold space for you while you go through that. And I'll show you how it worked for me. And you can take from that what you need. Um, and then I'll stand here and, and be in support when you go through it. I think that's really powerful. And we can do that as women over and over and over again for the women in our lives. Um, and I think that's why as women, we will be successful in changing the world and doing the things that are necessary for us to thrive. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And it is that cycle, isn't it? It's that that cycle of knowing yourself deeply um, and being okay with all parts because we don't get to, you know, a bit like energy. Energy doesn't go anywhere. It only changes. And it's a bit like that with all of the parts of us. We can't suddenly decide that that bit doesn't exist anymore. It's still there, but actually the, our perception of it and how we think about it and how we love it changes the way that it shows up so um you know there's there's lots of amazing work to be done around this space we've um we've recently just put together a self-study program um that is is all about this how how to really know yourself deeply the cycle of self um and it takes you through step by step the exact processes that we've used many stages and, and will continue to use in our lives it can it, it changes everything when you have that awareness and that understanding and you're able to start to heal and let go because you then have space for for growth and you can decide how you want to show up you can decide what is that gap that you're closing this time because the more gaps we close the the better we can show up for ourselves and for everybody else in our lives so um there will be links and all sorts in the show notes and you know we will be talking about it a lot because it's something that we feel really proud of and really passionate about there's I've got those hours and hours of videos that you can listen to in bite size useful you know we're not going to make you sit for four hours listening to us they're sort of you know between 10 and 20 minutes long each one and then there'll be activities to support it and it's an opportunity to dive really deeply so if you're feeling like you're okay but just okay you know check it out see see if it might be for you if you've listened to this and something struck a chord with you then you know dive a bit deeper because the information for you is there Thanks for listening to this episode of She Is Wise. If you've enjoyed this content, please don't hesitate to let us know. You can drop a review on your favorite podcast platform, share with all your friends, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss another episode. To learn more about Awakening the Wise Woman and what we do in the world, head on over to awakeningthewisewoman.com. We look forward to seeing you next week.